Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. That's Isaiah 40, verse 27, part of our first lesson. It's an encouraging reminder that we are not the first people to have asked, Are you really there, God? Do you know what I'm going through? Though Isaiah lived and wrote thousands of years ago, he addressed many of the same questions that we ask today. He himself was no stranger to suffering or doubt. Isaiah's world was the same fallen one that we inhabit, though his was actually considerably more violent and painful and less sanitary. There has never been a time when life has been easy, even with the blessings of soap and indoor plumbing and anesthetics and working boilers and vaccines and air conditioning, life has still not become easy. The psychiatrist Scott Peck began his best-selling book, The Road Less Traveled, published in 1978, which is to say recently compared to Isaiah, <laughs> with these simple words. He said, life is difficult. He goes on to say that realizing this makes life considerably easier because it aligns our expectations with reality. Perspective matters. When we expect life to be difficult, its difficulty doesn't come as such a shock or disappointment. When we go through hard times, we think of ourselves then as normal rather than cursed. We and our world are fallen and we all live with the consequences of sin, direct and indirect. And when Jesus returns, the dead are raised and God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven, things will be better than they are today. Much better, as God reveals to us in his word. But despite the difficulty of life, God has not forgotten us in the meantime. He does not sit in heaven aloof or vindictive, content to let us stew in the juices of our own iniquity. No, nothing could be further from reality. Instead, God has come to us in Jesus Christ to both share in our sufferings and to take our sin on himself and bear it to the cross and grave where it remains. Jesus is risen from the dead, but our sin is still dead in his tomb. Having been baptized into his death and resurrection, God has made us a new creation, dead to sin and alive in Christ. And God, who in Jesus Christ bore our sin and took on our human frailty and finitude, has both given us the gift of life, difficult as it sometimes is, and he walks with us through it. 
For in the words of Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God, who sits above the circle of the earth, before whom its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, that God knows our pain and instead of avoiding it, has joined us in it. And for as often as we may have heard that before, it needs saying again and again, in every generation that asks the question, is my way hidden from the Lord? Which is to say, in every generation. In fact, as often as we ask the question, which may be every day, the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up our wounds. His delight is not in the strength of a horse, nor his pleasure in the speed of a runner, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. God does not ask us to impress him, but to trust him as he walks with us through the stress and pain of life. And he has given us to each other to bear one another's burdens. No one in a Christian community should have to suffer alone. And none of us may say of a hurting sister or brother, that's their problem, nothing to do with me. Instead, we consider it a privilege to join a suffering neighbor in bearing their cross for the sake of Jesus, who, for our sake, bore his. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. It's a good reminder that life is not all suffering, that pain does come to an end, that healing does happen. Of how many fevers and other ailments has God healed us or prevented through the work of doctors, nurses, therapists, pharmacologists, sanitation workers, farmers, and grocers? Too many to count, including many of which we are mercifully unaware. We never hear of people getting scurvy or rickets anymore for just that reason which reminds us that even when we're not aware of God's presence or find him difficult to perceive, he is there. And not only there, but near to us. The limits of our perception do not make God impossible or uncaring. And as we heard last week, God's work of spiritual healing is not over either. As he continues to feed us with his word and sacraments, displacing the unclean, sinful spirits to which we are woefully subject, with his Holy Spirit. 
In Isaiah chapter 49, verses 14 through 16, Zion, shorthand for the people of Jerusalem, says, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. To which the Lord replies, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. This is our God, who in Jesus Christ has joined us in the world he loves so much, despite its and our fall into sin. In his wounded hands, he carries us. His touch shapes and heals us. His word convicts, forgives, and comforts us. He comes to us in his supper, and our cup runs over with his grace and goodwill. In the midst of a fallen world, he follows us with goodness and mercy all the days of our lives, even the difficult ones. Like a father running to greet his once prodigal and now humbled son, his arms are open and embrace us. Thanks be to God for his prodigal love for us, for his patience and constancy through our repeated questions and doubts, for his forbearance when we blame him for our problems, and for his forgiveness of our sins. Thanks be to God for his gift of life, for making life in our fallen world considerably better than it could be, and for his promise of a better world to come. Thanks be to God, who has not hidden himself from our sin or pain. Let's close today by saying together the last few sentences from our first lesson, printed on the inside back cover of our service folder. This will be good practice for Lent when we will say them together each Sunday. In the first lesson, if you're in the bulletin, find the seventh line from the end that begins, Have you not heard? We're going to start with the good news that comes right after that, beginning with, The Lord is the everlasting God. All together now. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be weary.